This is the Off Duty On Duty Podcast, episode number 36. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. The Off Duty On Duty Podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners and tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and the perspective of on duty law enforcement officers to give you both angles of discussion. Today, I'm joined by Hanny McMood. He hadn't been on in a while, and we're going to talk rapid fire revolver roundup. How about that? That's what we're going to call it. rapid fire revolver roundup. I'm going to ask, uh, well, I'm going to borrow a page from uh, one Mr. Jacob Paulson, and I'm going to pitch uh, pitch Hanny some questions that he has uh, not been informed about, and I'm going to give him about 60 seconds to answer them. Today's podcast is brought to you by our new title sponsor, XS Sites. Check it out. Links in the show notes. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention on the social media, I put up a group I shot with a set of their F8s on my Elite LTT Beretta. Loving those sights. Breath of fresh air into my uh, love affair with the Beretta. And I'm about to undertake a project with a Smith & Wesson 642 J-Frame where I'm going to put a big dot sight on the front. Also brought to you by CCW Safe, the legal service membership for concealed carriers and law enforcement officers, the most comprehensive coverage by the most experienced team, CCWSafe.com. If you go to their website and at checkout, enter code OFFDUTY10, we'll save you 10% off your membership. As always, EDC Belt Company, manufacturers of the Foundation Belt, another one of our sponsors, and... uh a reminder, Guardian Conference is coming up. Uh, again, links in the show notes. We also, last week, Concealed Carry Podcast, we had yet another drawing winner. Last week's winner, Danny, won a, tea, a SWAT T on the Concealed Carry Podcast weekly giveaway. You have to enter that giveaway once a week. Every week, they draw a new winner. We got stuff from Ready Up Gear, Mountain Man Medical, all kinds of cool products. And to be entered to win, you've got to enter every week. Like I said before, the link's in the show notes. Let's bring in our guest. Hanny McMood, back for episode number 36. You now are the front runner in most co-hostings of the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast. You are in the lead, good sir. All right, we need to keep that up. I will agree completely. I, I have very few things that I can claim like that. Yeah, well, it's a, it, it's an honor bestowed upon few. How about that? So we're calling this episode uh, Rapid Fire Revolver Roundup or Revolver Rapid Fire Roundup. One I hadn't decided yet. We'll figure that out later in post. But I've got about 18 questions here. They're all for... For someone who is a lover of all that which revolves, <laughs> yeah, we're um, we're taking a page from Jacob and I's podcast last week. I wanted to do a rapid fire revolver roundup. That way, we get the maximum amount of information out for the like the minimum amount of like chatter. So whenever you're, I feel like uh, Jacob said the other day. He said, "I feel like a game show host," and that's kind of how I feel right now. Like, what's behind curtain number three? Hey, anyway. <laughs> all right Man, that list is grown now yeah now i gotta tell you unlike before i got a sneak peek at the questions and i thought it would be rather um intriguing 
to just do it blind. So this is a first. This may be a first for podcast history. Well, I'm glad you got a peek at him. <laughs> I got a peek at Jacob's question. So I'm totally right. blind and handy with these. So this is awesome. All right. Are you ready to go? Oh, sir. All right. Round one. What was your first revolver? First revolver was a Dan Wesson Model 15. Very nice. What caliber? Uh, 357, four inch, heavy barrel, factory, target style wood stocks that actually felt really good. I had my first revolver was one of those in 44 Magnum. Isn't that an interesting nugget? It is. It well, is. I take that back. That was my first double action revolver. Okay. Moving on. Question two. What is your favorite revolver of all time? Oh, how much time do I get? About a minute. All right. All right. All right. All right. I can do this. Favorite revolver of all time. Just scrolling through about four of them. Smith model uh, 624. 624. What, what is that? That would be an, uh, an end frame in 44 special um, and stainless steel. 44 special end frame in stainless. So kind of like the 629's little brother. Right, but it has a skinny barrel like a Model 27 or a Model 28. Interesting. All right. Yeah, it was basically the mountain gun before there was a mountain gun kind of thing. Perfect. I like it. Along those lines, pick your favorite. 38 Special, 44 Mag, 357, 45 Long Colt, or 41 Magnum. Ooh. Favorite caliber out of all of those, it, it's very close between 41 Mag and 45 Colt. So we'll go a tie um, between 45 long Colt yeah, and 41 mag. That, please. That okay. would be good. That's all right. I won't, I won't call that a cop out because they're, they're, yeah. I mean, they're, they're different animals, but they're, uh, you know, the purpose is kind of similar. So yeah, they get there just slightly different ways. <laughs> <laughs> some a little faster than others. <laughs> yeah. And some a little bigger. So, you know. J frame, K frame, L frame, or N frame, your preference. And I'll let you have this one in. You can go into a little bit of detail on. Okay. So in terms of utility, it's pretty, it's pretty definitive. It would be a J frame. Okay. They're, they're what I actually use most and carry every day. Uh, in terms of just favorite, favorite. Yeah. That would be an N frame. All right. I am a K frame guy. Personally. Well, you know what? So, okay, I'll tell you what. If I, so I told you my favorite. If I had to pick one, then it would be a K. So if I had to just pick one to do anything in any caliber that, or size or uh, whatever, it would be a K. Yeah, I would, I would go with a three-inch Model 10 or Model 65 round butt K frame. That's like, to me, that's like the almost as small as a J not quite as big as a four inch service gun. Mm -hmm. K frames have the best action of all time. They just do. So they do. All right. Favorite holster for let's just call it for concealed carry. Your favorite concealed carry holster for a revolver. Okay. This is not fair. This is like Guantanamo stuff you're doing here. This is torture. <laughs> okay. okay. I don't think this is even legal. <laughs> it may not be in uh, France. Well, here's the deal. Most used and most utility to me is a pocket hole. And uh, the one I <laughs> have on me right now is is a Don Hume 
for uh, Airway J-Frame that is uh, been in my left front pocket for the last 22 years. Wow, okay. Um, See, and that's the purpose, even though it is a bit, I don't know, you, you described it as Guantanamo-esque. It's to elicit it those answers like that, because I just picked up a new J-Frame appendix holster, and I love it muchly, but I have carried a pocket J-Frame for off and on for almost yeah the, the last 18 years so uh or an ankle rig or whatever but uh but don hume pocket holster dig it all right yeah the, the the price is good the design is great and they're easy you know they're easy to get okay fair yeah. enough favorite speed loader okay th- that one's easy because it's hks mm-hmm. because that's what i have the most experience with and uh, I've got there's some esoteric ones, but you know generally it's either Safari Land or uh, HKS, and I have a lot more experience with HKS. Yeah, I even have some of the new machined aluminum. I think they're called Star. Yeah, but they're very cool. Very cool, and it seems like the last ones I played with the uh, release mechanism turned the opposite way of the HKS. Exactly. So they, they, they turn the opposite way. So it's kind of throwing me off, but the quality looks excellent and I like them, but you got to pick one. Yeah. So I'll tell a quick story on myself since we're still under a minute. I used to carry a J frame, uh, 340 PD with 38 mm-hmm. specials. It was a 357 mag revolver on my ankle, a little 11 ounce revolver, you know, and yep. next to my mag pouches in between the front of my holster and my my magazine carrier that set strong side parallel or horizontal on the belt. I carried a speed loader, the old, uh, wrap around speed loader holder holster, I guess you'd call it had a little brass button on it. So you'd lift it up and your, your bullets actually straddled your Sam Brown belt. Yeah. Three on each side of the belt. Yep. 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 I actually carried one of those for a J frame in between for years, uh, when I was in patrol. So people would go, why why do you, why do you have a speed loader? I, I, <laughs> I dig that. I I I, uh, I I never did that. But smart idea. All right. Your favorite way to concealed carry ammo, a reload for your revolver. <sighs> hmm. Okay, I've got two. Okay, the speed strip and the the new tuck strips are also very good. And uh, I've recently gotten like two or three of the you know the new kind that. You know, the bullets that diagonally, some of them are now have seven openings in them. There's a bunch of cool different ones, but the classic uh, speed strip. And then if carrying a speed loader in, in concealed clothes, I have a uh, Matt Del Fatty single, single speed loader holster, much like the one that you described, where the rounds are, um, you know, three, three on each side of the belt. It's very, it's a very compact piece of, you know, quality leather. Okay. Matt Del Fatty, um, little snap, snap closure. Yep. Okay. Yep. There's a snap right, right on the top. And it kind of just, I wouldn't say clamshells because, you know, there's not really a spring in it, but yeah, it kind of clamshells open and yeah. you snatch it off your belt. Yeah. I generally, um, use one or both of those methods simultaneously. Okay. I, uh, my favorite method is I carry a speed loader in each front pocket an hks 
Okay. That's my, that's my favorite way right now. And I mean, some people would argue, well, your change is in there and this and that, uh, I practice with it quite a bit. Um, and which begs the next, next question. Uh, do you carry your revolver reload ammo on your strong side or your off gun hand side? Uh, no strong side. Okay. Strong side, because yeah, of the way I was taught to load. Revolver goes in the in the off gun hand when once it's yeah. emptied and then load out of the strong side. Yeah, that's how I was taught yeah. as well. I do practice sometimes because you know I think like, well, what if I'm disabled and I can't get my ammo out of there? That's why I carry one in my my off gun side pocket as well. That's just one of my little quirks. All right, okay. If you had to choose Smith, Colt, or Ruger, <laughs> okay, that that's that's fairly easy. Even though I have all three, um, Smith, um, yeah, it would have to be a Smith. Each has certain attributes, and if maybe if I was a smart man, it'd be a Ruger because they tend to be uh, pretty much indestructible. But I think I own one or two Rugers. I currently own either two or three Colts, no, four Colts, and then the rest are all Smith. So yeah, got to go with Smith. Yeah, I own one Colt, and you probably saw a picture of it the other day. My dad gave me back. I guess he had like the new frontier. Yeah. He bought it and sold it and it had been traded. And, and he's like, this thing's like a bad penny, dude. It just keeps coming back. <laughs> he said, I finally, after like the fourth time I stuck it in the safe and I figured I'd give it to you when you're older. Well, that day came. So appreciate <laughs> that one. Um, let's see. We got that one out of the way. Okay. For everyday carry snubby three inch, four inch, five inch or six inch. For everyday carry, um, uh, for me, uh, uh, you know, three inch might be where it should be, but for me, it's actually two. Uh, if it's a J frame, it's you know one point eight. We'll call it a two. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, I carry a model twelve, which is a airweight frame, K frame, six shot, thirty eight. It's just a light model ten. Oh yeah. So, and for uh, those, and, and it and it's two inch. So. Yeah, and for those that didn't know, the Air Force commissioned those originally. Airweight, that was like the OG K-frame airweight. I didn't know this until my dad, of course, being the revolver nerd he is, uh, I show up at his house, and I'm like, good night. This classic Smith here is really light. It looks like a Model 10, right? And I I crack the cylinder open. I realize the cylinder is aluminum. Yeah. And yeah. if you ever find one of those and you ever happen to buy one, which they've gone through the roof, do not shoot yeah. it. Do not shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's studying revolver history. Uh, they supposedly made a downloaded load for it. Right. And then after that, they, I'm told they, they destroyed um, most of them. So there was that one, I believe the Air Force called it the M13 long before there was the, you know, the Model 13 that we know and love as the right. classic old FBI gun. Yep. And I think Colt made an identical gun, but they called it the Air Crewman. Yes. So they, they had two. They had a Colt and a Smith, and they're both rare as hell. So very yep. cool. And the ones that the ones that do exist with an aluminum cylinder are collector's items uh, because totally, yeah. most of them that survived were retrofitted with steel cylinders. Yep. So. Yep. So cool. Porting or not wow. porting or no porting? In general, no porting. Okay. Um I, I have very few ported guns and I see I see the, the use and the utility. 
uh, any advantage in some guns, but by and large, no. Uh, generally, bigger calibers uh, where you actually get enough venting that it actually does, you know, help with muzzle climb. And well, technically, in terms of physics, it doesn't lower recoil. It does lower muzzle lift, in which case means, you know, we can shoot it better and faster. Uh, but again, only in certain guns, but by and large, no, no porting. Yeah, I had uh, my Dan Wesson, my original Dan Wesson was Magna ported. So mm-hmm. it was ported through the barrel insert and the sleeve. And, right, right. And oddly enough, that gun was much less pleasant to shoot when, with, when it was ported. It just hurt because it pushed the yeah. gun right back into your hands so it, hard. It, it did. It did. It did. And, and uh, you know, that's why a lot of people prefer single-action revolvers in big calibers because they roll in the hand, which I really don't like, but it, it, it is more pleasant. And this does the exact opposite. You got a double action grip, which is more designed to bring it straight back. And then you add to it something keeping the muzzle down, which makes it come straight back even harder into your hand. Right. Next up, two revolvers every gun guy should own. Okay. Well, the first one is easy. A K-frame of your choice, either three or four inch barrels. It could be 357 and 38, or it could be just 38. But that family that is a Model 10, a Model 64, a Model 13, a Model 65, you choose the barrel length, but K-frame six shots and able to shoot 38. Okay. Finish is up to you, whether stainless or blue. Barrel length is up to you, but one of the family, basically one of the family of the classic m and Yeah. Okay, that's number one. Number two, uh, it would have to be a J-frame. Again, utility plays a huge role there. A five-shot J-frame, you know, hides in places and gives you uh, the ability to do certain things that no other uh, handgun can do, at at least for me. So, okay, two would be a J-frame and a K-frame. Stick to that, same calibers. uh, But, you know, again, with the J-frame, you know, I can't say like, you know, that a 442 versus a 642 versus a 638 versus, you know, those preferences are up to you. But I prefer an airweight J. Uh, if you want steel, you can have steel. But there you go. That's, that, that's as much as I can narrow it down to. Yeah, that's my two as well. I think there is about a metric ton of Model 10s out there that are, uh, you know, blued or nickel. Lots of blue sure. model tens out there that uh, K frames have great actions, and they're still one of the the models that is affordable on the secondhand market. You know what I'm saying? Like just barely. I mean, the, the prices that I've seen recently on uh, you know all what the, would have been 150 dollar uh, revolvers in our lifetime. Yeah, uh, I, I had a conversation with your dad just you know a couple weeks ago in Oklahoma. And uh, he was talking about the, you know, the era when everybody was transitioning to autos. And he, you know, he said he used to have a flat rate that, you know, he'd buy if somebody offered it to him. You know, and I, I can't remember whether he said 150 or 175 bucks. You know, 100, 100, so he didn't care if it was 150, 150 on a K frame and 200 on an N frame or an L frame. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But you know, on K frames it was like it could it could be a 19, it could be a Model 10, it could be a 65. You know, he just had a flat rate. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I have, I have in the not so distant past still seen 
model tens for sub $400. Now they weren't collector's pieces, but yeah, but you know, I have to say even then, um, yeah, I recently, within the last year, I found a, um, uh, a 10 dash five that's marked, you know, Mexican judicial police, right? <laughs> uh, four inch, ten five, uh, skinny barrel. And I got it for under four. Yeah. But, you know, when you look on like gun broker guns, international or other sites, uh, they're really hard to find for under 400 bucks. And, and to be honest, there's a lot of them that are in the 500 range that are really not collector's items at all. Yeah. And that are in the 500 range and they'll be like five bids on them. So yeah, it's really gone up and I never, I, you know, everything that goes away kind of becomes valuable, but I never thought they'd be reaching the prices that they are. I'm with you. And mine's a, a it's either a 10 dash seven or 10 dash eight. And it's a bull barrel, you know, mid seventies bull barrel gun. And, uh, I actually, my granddad gave that to me, my, my dad's dad, I borrowed it to shoot the instructor qualification course. And, uh, it was shooting about six inches left at 50 yards. Ah. And I actually got to watch our armor clamp it in a vice. Did he whack it? And use a lead babbit to correct it. <laughs> yeah. And, it makes people cringe if I've never seen that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he gave it one whack. And I went back and it was shooting 10 rings. So I was like, eh, can't argue with that. <laughs> oh, I put a pile um, of 148 wads through that. Um, all right. Do you think revolvers are still viable as a, as a uh, carry gun? I do. I really, really do. And, um, uh, you know, I'm not just jumping on a bandwagon because in the last four or five years, they've kind of experienced a resurgence. And, you know, I, I've been teaching some revolver only courses. I've, Lucky enough, a uh, one time, uh, you know, I, I think they just needed a pinch hitter, you know, in, at short notice. But I, I helped Wayne and uh, and Daryl and Chuck Haggard at one of the revolver roundups. But but I, I do think that uh, uh, revolvers are are viable. And uh, fortunately, in the last few years, surprisingly, some new revolvers have come out that are, you know, different and new and offer something. I, I like the Ruger LCR, which I don't own one, but I will. And I've shot the Kimber K6, kind of expensive, but seems to be a solid gun without getting into any, you know, goofy exotic stuff like the Chiapa or anything like that. So were you aware that Beretta is bringing the man here in MR73 into the U.S. with target sites? Uh, I am. You know, the reality is I've only been aware of that for about four days. Uh, somebody somebody posted that uh, someplace, and I saw it. You're welcome. And um, <laughs> was that you? That, that may or um, may not have been me, yes. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's very, very cool. It yeah. is indeed, yeah. My only, hope, um, think, my only hope for owning one is that uh, some cop decides to buy one on a whim. And then gets divorced, and I get to take the spoils. <laughs> That's terrible. It's possible, <laughs> but yes, yes, that, that 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 has been a profitable route for all of us at some point in our lives. Uh, likely because we've been on both ends of that good deal. We have, and it, at one time, I had a uh, the hooks in my gun safe were full 
of revolvers and mainly uh in frames and k frames i had just just a, yep. a brace of cool in frames and somebody said man how did you get all these and i said that is a wall full of other people's shattered dreams so <laughs> terrible i know <laughs> but uh i i gotta i gotta laugh at that uh that, that's um that's well, awesome well it put some bad uh, karma on me because about two years later that whole wall got resold again <laughs> for, for an indeterminate reason we for, don't know why oh i know why we'll talk about that in another episode um, <laughs> our the next question <laughs> your favorite revolver sites are you a k-site guy are you a milled novak guy dovetailed front sites gold bead Ooh. big dot Okay, favorite. Favorite would be uh, adjustable sight, gold bead front. We're pretty and similar. Got, yeah, and, and I've got two set up just that way. And both of them have uh, the front sight that is uh, sold to gunsmiths. It's not really drop-in. By SDM, uh, Scott Mulcairn. SDM fabricating. And you, you, know, you have to figure out the height, roughly. And, and he'll send you one, and then you have to, you know, depending on the revolver, whether the, the site is um, the Smith & Wesson DX style, or whether it is pinned, or whether it's not pinned at all, in which case you need a good gunsmith to mill off the, um, the front blade, make a slot, sink it, and then put a, um, a pin in sideways. And that's what was done on both of mine. One's yeah. a model 28 and one is a model, um, 25, five. My, my favorite ones currently, well, forever have been, uh, for target and, and some defensive carry. I like a black Patridge front sight with the, the old traditional K rear sights. That's, that's well, been my go-to and, depending on how my vision is, is depending on how wide that Patridge front sight is. Most difficult thing to train an individual on a revolver. Most, most difficult task to train on a revolver. Hmm. Well, I'd like to come up with something esoteric. I'll give you one, but reloading. Go, well, that, that's not esoteric, but it, it, it's down. It is absolutely um, correct, but it's further down on the list because for me, the hardest thing is to get them to press the trigger from front to rear because the people that we encounter nowadays. Uh, so when we teach instructor school at RLE facility, most of the guys that show up, like let's say six out of seven. It'll be a borrowed revolver that either they got from an old head cop buddy or my favorite is, ah, I borrowed it out of the property room. This is an old seized gun. And they, they, they've never shot one before. They kind of understand how it works, but the trigger is unlike, you know, a double, act, a double action, single action SIG. It's unlike a Glock. It's unlike a 1911. It's unlike anything else that anyone else is likely to carry. And the idea of maintaining sight picture all the way through the roll, all the way to the end, uh, that takes, that blows their mind. But once they get it, they get it. Yeah. But in terms of like a task, yeah, reloading is, is non-intuitive. You will see things that you have never seen people do. 
I agree. Like, like, they, like the revolver switch hands twice. You know, it's like, well, okay, what are you doing? That was probably the um, the hill that I took on the people that preach the gross motor skills thing. Mm-hmm. That oh well, you know, gross motor skills, this, that, and the other. Only revol- only reload a semi-auto with gross motor skills. Like, come on, guys! Yeah, yeah. Cop, cops were reloading right. wheel guns, and there ain't anything gross yeah, motor yeah, skill yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. That's when we take a, a good concept and take it to uh, a, a a logical conclusion that has now become illogical because it is seven steps beyond reality. Right. Um, you know, like yes, gross motor skill. Well, what do you think stabbing the magazine button is? Yeah. What do you think? That's not exactly a gross motor skill. What do you think? How about Pushing the trigger 17 times. Right. That <laughs> was the one I was going to go with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of those. people yeah. that think you can't reload a revolver under stress, go back to episode four of the aftermath and uh, listen to my dad talk oh, yeah. about shooting five rounds and going, rut row, got to reload. Uh, which now he is a bit of a unicorn. I'll give him that. Like that dude. Under pressure is unbelievably calm, but the flip side is, you know, at 22, he was keenly aware he had one round and and was able to manipulate that revolver using fine motor skills and get it reloaded, gosh, in just a matter of seconds. So, uh, So, uh, since since I've been answering other questions quickly, I will digress here for a moment. Please do. One of my, like, favorite moments of, like, you know, not on the job, like, uh, you know, that has to do with the gun world, that has to do either with teaching or knowledge or whatever, was that episode, because I got to be there. That That is one of, like, my cherished moments. And your dad just had this voice. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, 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 you remember it, and I'm sure anybody else who hasn't, please go back and listen to it. He, You know, he had this calm, even voice that was spooky. Because, you know, it wasn't just deadly force. Because, you know, as, as, as a lot of people say, you know, there's a difference between a shooting and a gunfight. And they're both honorable, you know, but there's a difference. That was a gunfight, and that was a gunfight in the most extreme, short distance, close quarter, kind of um, not what you'd expect kind of gunfight that he got into. And to, to have just you know, ask one or two questions that elicited some things out of him. Uh, he's one of like, I got I got to say, it's just like one of my top 10 moments. Well, cool, man. It really, it really, really is. Uh, you know, in something that like from beginning to end, uh, you know, remember I asked him, I said, okay, so from when you saw the gun to the gun smoke had cleared, um, how long do you think it was? He was like, ah, about a second and a half. Yeah, he said sub two seconds. <laughs> sub two seconds. And it's like, and a lot, and it's, you know, anybody who's heard that, a lot happened because there were three different people involved his partner, a bad guy, him. And uh, yeah, so anyway, so there you go. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. So having, uh, having the capacity and reload thing, would you rather, and this is not going to be one of those, you know, have to pee and be stuck in traffic uh, questions. But <laughs> would you rather have 
a J frame in each pocket or a single stack compact nine millimeter, you know, something along the lines of a shield or a G 43 X. Oh, okay. That's an easy one. Not even a nanosecond. I'd rather have two J frames. Fair. I'll, I, 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 I uh, yeah, no, no, no doubt in my mind at all. I, I'd rather have two J frames. Okay. So carrying something that each one weighs fourteen ounces, um, I'm not like a, I, I, you know, the, the the super lightweight titanium scandium. They have their place. But I like good old-fashioned just air weights that weigh about 14, 15 ounces. I would rather carry one pound, 15 and 15, than carrying, you know, a pistol that all loaded is probably 28 or 29 ounces. There you go. Well. <laughs> Wait. Are we at 18? We are, we are complete. So. Wow. Okay. That is, that is all the questions I had. And. As we've said before, brevity is never our strong suit here. Well, certainly not mine. But I will give an example really quickly. Actually, two examples of two people that I know personally. Uh, one was involved in an incident with a revolver. One of them was involved in an incident with a very early polymer. I won't say the name of the gun, but everybody knows it. Uh, before they had the magazine base pad upgrade and drop free magazines, yep. right? So sure. both of them, one of them was involved in a shooting that was on ice. Like imagine shooting a Magnum revolver while you're on ice skates, essentially. Right. <laughs> and okay, as, I'm trying to picture that. Okay. As the gunfight starts, he falls with his gun in his hand and he hits the cylinder on the pavement hard enough that it fractures the cylinder hand. So now when he pulls the trigger, the hammer will fall, but the cylinder won't rotate. Oh, okay. Got it. So what does he do? He manually rotates the cylinder and keeps fighting. Um, Example number two, drug warrant, four by four post, door frame, whatever, magazine base pad gets broken off right as the gunfight starts and it pukes bullets and spring and follower. So being the good officer he was, he taps, racks, nothing. Taps, racks, grabs another magazine, tries to insert magazine. Magazine won't go in the gun because a non-drop-free magazine hole was in the magazine. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So do I think revolvers have their place? Absolutely. Do you think, and I'll I'll give you mine first. People, I've seen people write on the interwebs about how they're, they're not as reliable as uh, semi-autos are now. And my contention with that is when you've grown up in a polymer world and you don't know how to change the oil in your car, revolvers mm-hmm. probably not the gun for you. I had to, I peeled mine down today because it had what looked like, uh, some, how, oh, what would you call it? Like varnish on the inside where somebody had put some lubricant on it years ago. And or maybe WD forty, which is even better. Yeah, and it kind of crystallized. It didn't do anything <laughs> yeah. bad to it. It just, I just peeled it down, and it requires some special tooling to take a, apart. Whereas your modern semi-auto, eh, not so much. You know, it's you know one lever and pull the slide back, yeah. pull the spray. Yeah, it's not as complicated a process. And to get the ejector rod out, you need a tool. 
and and things like yeah. that. Uh, so I think a lot of that gets lost in translation when you realize that the dudes that carried revolvers were taught to peel those things down to parts and pins and had, if you've ever noticed most revolver like display boxes have a set of fitted screwdrivers and some other stuff in them. So they're kind of a throwback to some old world technology. Uh, but do I think now uh, what I like to call your transition era Smith and Wessons, the ones that were starting to use mem parts pre side lock. I think those are some of the finest, like off the shelf revolvers that require very little hands on maintenance. Um, right. And I mean, what I mean by hands on is you don't really need a forcing cone cutter or, <laughs> you yeah. know, you don't have to know how to file straight to make one of those work really good. Um, Whereas, you know, prior to that, the old model 10, 65, 64s back in the day were, it, they required a lot of hand work, uh, much like 1911s, you know, now we're yeah. kind of in this heyday where you can kind of pick one up and it's going to be a viable platform. Uh, whereas 10, 15 years ago, not so much. If you choose carefully, in my opinion, you have to get above the $1,100 range. Oh, I agree completely. So yeah. that being said, I'll tell you what. I'm going to interrupt you just briefly. Go ahead. There's two things that occur to me. Number one, there are two problems that I, or not problems, but uh, perhaps not um, the best thinking um, that I see come up again and again in our digital world. There are two things. Number one is, well, I use this because so-and-so uses this. Insert whatever tickles your fancy. Okay. Right. Uh, my local police department. Oh, Dev Group. <laughs> to pick two opposite extremes. Whatever. That thinking. Second is they don't understand the difference in neglect and abuse. So, with abuse, autos by and large do better. Uh, I'm sorry. Autos do better than revolvers with abuse in terms of dropping it. As you know, you can drop a revolver in a certain way on its side, and you can really whack it out of time and do, you know, stuff to it that really needs some major correction. That's abuse versus neglect. Neglect is you put it in a drawer, and five years later, you pull it out. Right? Yeah. Revolvers do much better with neglect. And if you're not operating, and I hate that word, I hate that word, because it only applies to two people on the face of the earth, Delta and Surgeon. So let's leave those two out. But so if you're not uh, working in a world where the, your especially concealed handgun is going to get a lot of abuse, um, the neglect factor works much better in the revolver's favor. So it, you know, even the one that you came across, it's like crystallized and gummed up. You know what? Just press harder on the trigger and it'll likely go. Not so much for autos. I've seen frozen firing pins. I've seen frozen hammers. I've seen stuff that it just it just wouldn't function. Um, they you know they take abuse better, but they don't take neglect. They need lubrication, cleaning, and so on. Revolvers take neglect much better, but they don't take like oh well we dropped it off a helicopter like a Glock. So. Uh, without acting like I'm something that I'm not, uh, to borrow a military phrase, 
the mission drives the gear. So if you're, you know, you're a, um, you know, a person that carries a gun and smokes it concealed and so on and so on, a revolver has a lot going for it in terms of neglect if you're not a gun guy. Okay. Um, I think that's fair. I, I, I don't want to drop a revolver off a second story building. I drop a block off a second story building. Yeah. I, but that, I that's abuse. Agree. That's not neglect. So anyway, those are my two little things that irritate me a lot is a comparing, uh, you know, Oh, Hey, well this unit carries, you know, seven, six, two scars. Okay. Yeah, I get that. But for you, just, you know, a regular, AR-15, M4, uh, you know, gas impingement, doesn't have to be a piston, it doesn't have to be whatever, with good ammo, is likely going to do for you a lot better or do everything that you need to do. So, to use a different, yet again, example. There you go. I hope that made sense. Well, cool, dude. So, we, we, we started on a good foot with the whole let's give a minute answer and then, you know, I let the I let it digress as as it should, so... Yes, uh, but how many guests have you had that have actually carried an MR-73? Oh, uh, one. Just you. There you go. There you go. Perfect. And and how, how, <laughs> how, many, how many dudes that are under 50 do you know that carried a J-frame speed loader on their Sam Brown belt? One. Okay. I got I, I to say, one. And, and I will, uh, you know, when we talk cop duty guns, I'm going to share one more story here from uh, a dear, dear friend of mine. And, and then we'll roll it out. Dear friend of mine got in an entanglement, uh, with, with a burglary suspect many, many years ago and ended up with, you know, bucket holster with the old leather thong. The guy was able to get his revolver out of the holster. And so my pal breaks from him reaches down, grabs his ankle gun, and the gunfire starts to exchange, right? Right. Uh, bad guy empties said revolver. Good guy takes 38s out of his loop loader because he wasn't carrying three fifty seven mags in his loop loader. He was in his gun. So his first six were three fifty seven mags. Well, when it came time to, uh-oh, everybody's out of ammo, uh, yeah. my pal still had plenty of ammo in his loops. And, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that is something that is a long, long, long lost, a little, um, nugget we, of wisdom. We were having a libation at the, the local cop watering hole and he was telling me about this. And I mean, and, you know, yeah, that's something I, I, and, and to, you know, to be honest, um, you know, a, an old time instructor like Masada youth was writing about that stuff decades ago and it's somehow imprinted. Exactly. All right. Revolver rapid fire roundup with Hanny McMood, the uh the now longest standing guest co host on the show. Thanks to Hanny. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and start the music. There it is. All right, episode thirty six Reminder, check out today's sponsors, our new title sponsor, Excess Sites. Link in the show notes, CCW Safe. Use code OFFDUTY10 for 10% off your membership. EDC Belt Company, 
Also, Guardian Conference is coming up. Still seats available. Jump in. Get them, get them now. I don't know when the early bird special is going to close, but uh, jump on that. And if you haven't signed up to the Concealed Carry Podcast giveaway, the link is in the show notes. Sign up every week uh, to give a, you know, get some cool gear. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. The Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.